Hi, I'm Christine Dennison. I'm coming to you from New York City, speaking with Gemma and Ian about my polar diving, my ocean diving, my work with Mad Dog Expeditions and exploringwomen.com. Please join us. Enough of that. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 52, Gemma, of the Big Scuba Podcast. And with us today, we have Gemma in Pakefield and myself, Ian, and uh, we are the co hosts of the Big Scuba. If you uh, this is this is your first time with us, welcome. Does get a bit crazy, I know, but hey, stick with us. Uh, we've got several podcasts out there. We spoke to quite a few guests, and uh, this is the first time. Go back to our previous episodes and have a look, and uh, you'll see that we chat to people from the diving world and talk to them about their experiences and history and all things scuba diving and free diving and generally fun under the, under the water, which leads us on, you know, leads us on to a great guest once again uh, that we have on the show, Gem. Yep, that's Christine Dennison. We certainly do. And uh, Christine Dennison is one of the uh, big explorers and done loads. Um, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But she's explored the world and done some really fun. We thought, hey, she sounds the type of person we not we like to talk to and get on the big scuba and share with you everybody with what she's been up to. Mm. Yeah, an inspirational exactly. lady. It is, and we'll let's we'll talk about her in a moment. But before we just talk about Christine, can I just remind everybody? Just take a little moment, just just to say thank you, everybody for who has sent us messages. It's always great, uh, whether it's either on Facebook, whether any part of social media, Instagram. Jem, uh, what's the other social media? Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. <laughs> yes, them. I knew what, what, what I wanted to say. But we also have a back phone, and it's red, and it glows when people calls and send us messages. And we particularly like to hear from people who are going die, no matter where you are in the world, you know, we are global. We're in, I don't know, 60 countries, aren't we, Jen? 64 at the moment. 64, growing all the time. You know, and um, although, the, you know, we are in the wilds of Suffolk, you know, there is people out there around the world who are actually still diving and having fun in the water. Okay. So if you would like to share what you're up to, send us a message, uh, WhatsApp, works particularly well and that's the easiest way of doing it and you'll be thinking hey i'd like to but i don't know the number so have you got a pen and paper because here is the number the number you need to send us a whatsapp message can be a text can be just let us know what you're up to a voice message works particularly well and that is plus 44 78 five nine two four and i've just seen Gemma yawn at me and i think she should be dropping down and give me 10 <laughs> press ups right now for... no i've done an eight mile run <laughs> don't come at me with your excuses 
you know, you're on the big scuba podcast and you're yawning at me. You know, what does that say? I can find it. And, and <laughs> listeners, I've got my Christmas hat on. And, and I, I did say to Jim, come prepared with something Christmassy. And uh, she's got Christmas. Okay. They're earrings, aren't they, right? No, they're wooden Christmas trees that are environmentally friendly. Right. Okay, good. We like environmentally friendly on the big scuba, Jimmy. That's all good. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, so back phone. Send us a message. Let us know what you're up to. It is brilliant. We love. Somebody sent us uh, a lovely, great message from Australia the other day. That was really great. Um, however, they didn't put their name on it. So it's really important. Do put your name on because obviously we don't uh, know the numbers and also. Uh, the numbers, you know, they're kept here and then deleted, you know, so, uh, you know, you keep, we keep your privacy safe. Just okay. tell us where you're from and what your name is. Yeah, that's all, we, all, that's all we need to know. Name, what you're up to, and we'll share that with the class. So that's always good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about Christine Denson, about what she's been up to and uh, why we've invited Christine, come on the podcast. Christine Denson is the co-founder and president of Mad Dog Expedition. Mad Dog Expeditions is an international adventure and exploration company that pioneered and documented diving and exploration of the high Arctic and the Brazilian Amazon rainforest. She's also the founder of ExploringWomen.com, a community of role models for women and adventure and exploration. Okay, she's a polar expedition specialist with expertise in operations and logistics of remote regions of the world. She has skied to the North Pole to raise awareness of climate change and protection of our environment. Christine is an experienced polar ice diver, technical mixed gas, technical wreck and technical dive master. She's been diving for over 20 years and is the first woman to dive, document and explore the icy waters and ice caves of the Canadian High Arctic Northwest Passage and the first woman to dive, document and explore the tannic waters of the Brazilian Amazon Rio Negro and its tributaries. I'm so glad I would have just got lost there. But anyway, Christine is a member of the Lost 52 project team, which has made several historic U.S. World War II submarine discovery. Christine is a fellow of the prestigious Royal Geographic Society in London and has been awarded the Medal of Honour from the Brazilian Navy League, the humanitarian silver medal from the International Navy League and is recognised as an honorary submariner by the Brazilian Navy. I'm now going to put my false teeth back in. (laughs) So, i.e., she's done a lot. She has done a lot and um, uh, she's a lady who was we were really excited uh, her coming on and when she said that she wanted to come on because she's done a lot so uh, you know being up the North Pole and things like that you know it takes some doing so yeah and she's a great advocate for women in adventure and exploration as well which is great yeah she certainly is so uh, if you are thinking about a project or you know things for next year because hey let's keep positive we're going to be out and about next year let's keep it let's keep it focused let's keep the, the positive spirit going positive pants on yeah. positive pants on everybody 
that we'll all be out and we'll be doing some exploring if you know so let's take a step out of her book and think hey do it. yeah and so, just got a couple of sayings and that are they are quest for knowledge and thirst for adventure i like to add a few sayings some of them i guess yeah. don't we but that's a good Such one simple. find the magic transform exploration you know, explore educate conservation research and, and volunteer uh, yeah, and we've got some more. So here we go. So uh, you'll, if you do follow us on the social media, uh, you'll probably see these little lines pop up every now and then with some hashtags. And if you don't follow us, why not? We, we need your support. So please do. Anyway, so with that's it for us for now. We will now sit back and enjoy our conversation with Christine Denson. Yeah, this is episode 52. Oh, oh, oh. Hello. 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 Can you hear me? Yeah, that's lovely. Yeah, yeah I can hear you. <laughs> Hello, and thank you for having me. <laughs> it's really nice to have you. So it's just um, finally got there. So what we'll do, we'll try and get through as many questions as we can, but we'd really like to invite you back again, you know, in a few months' time. Just to, yeah. My, my message is really simple. And I think as a woman in particular, I, I think the the UK, and I spent so much time there since I was young, a kid, um, it, it's different from the US. And so my my whole message is really, I think, get out there and, and enjoy it. And, and Americans are very put off by inclement weather or they're not comfortable. And I've done a lot of diving in the UK and you just do it. You just get in there and get on with it. It's never really perfect weather. So you don't have that option. So, um, so I think, you know, that hardiness factor to follow something that you love is, is really at the end of the day, what anybody should really try and, and strive for. Christine Dennison, welcome to the Big Scuba podcast. It's really nice to have you on board. Thank you. It's great to be here. Um, I'm in New York City, so I, uh, I know I'm very happy to uh, to connect after in, in everything that's going on with lockdown, yeah. holidays, and such. So thank you for having me. Yeah. yeah. So for our audience, would you like to tell us what you do and what you do? Yeah, what you do basically. <laughs> okay. Um, I am a New York City based. I started a company back in the 90s. I co-founded a company with a friend from high school, college uh, called Mad Dog Expeditions. And I took over the company uh, that was really a pioneering adventure exploration company for scuba divers and for ex exploration really, because a lot of the areas that we were going into uh, became our signature expeditions and destinations like the Arctic scuba diving under the Arctic ice, scuba diving in the Amazon's Rio Negro, scuba diving in Papua New Guinea, um, and areas that were not very friendly uh, to people underwater. I mean, there were a lot of people that traveled to the North Pole, a lot of people that go into the Amazon jungle, but they haven't, they had not been underwater. And so we strongly believe in local knowledge and work with the, the people that uh, were in these areas that were able to help us sort out our portion of it, which was to see what was going on underwater. Mm -hmm. And um, and from that, it just became a, a great adventure and odyssey of exploration and adventure that has taken me around the world. I have sort of forayed that uh, working more with with our uh, with colleagues and peers and and started another company called Exploring Women, which is 
really about a lot of the work that I've done, the women that have mentored me and the women that I believe are out there to mentor a new generation um, of women to pursue their mm. So when you were in the Amazon um, and you said you were talking to local people, were you talking to uh, people who could dive or fishermen? And because uh, how did you get the, like, the underwater knowledge? That was the interesting part is before we took any clients, we would always do uh, sort of a shakedown trip. We would go into these areas and, and do our own expedition and figure out what would work, what wouldn't. And the Amazon, because it was uh, really very, very remote, um, we worked with a scientist that had been working in these areas, had no knowledge of underwater, but we did work with uh, locals that were fishermen that knew the areas and what we were doing, we're going into areas during the time of year where the rainforest was flooded. So really, no one had seen that. I think the only team that had been there before us was a BBC team that was doing a documentary on the Amazon. And they, I don't even think they were underwater, but they were in some of the areas. So we were the first to capture a lot of images, uh, including the Mata Mata turtle, which is a very unusual prehistoric flat-headed turtle that we captured in 19, captured on film. We did not, we do not do anything with wildlife or, but we did have it on film back in 1994, 95. And, and I say that because Jean-Michel Cousteau came out with the Mata Mata turtle several years after we had already put it out there, but it is an incredible, um, abundantly vibrant area, whether it's flooded or not. This area. And that's quite a big um, tribal area around there, isn't it? So were they welcoming to you or were they a bit resistant to, for you to, for them to share all their knowledge with you? Not really. They were very resistant to be on camera. We would work with uh, our local uh, group that we were um, on the boat with because you have to go into these areas with little little boats, small pontoon boats, and also with uh, a large river boat that would basically leave us in an area that they could get into. Then we would take smaller boats or go into the jungle on foot and and go that way. But the tribesmen and the the locals that we met that live in the the rainforest were very kind. I mean, they invited us into their huts. We had lunch with some of them, but we had a point of contact because we don't speak the language or we didn't speak the dialect that they were very happy to help us with the fishing. They just didn't want to be on camera. So they were very good at, at sort of helping us get to the areas that we were looking for, which were uh, more areas of the flooded rainforest basin that we could dive in. Okay. So let's dive back a little bit and talk about you so how did you get into diving right you know back at the start and was there any one particular that inspired you to pick up a set of fins and a snorkel and go jump in uh, i think i grew up in the city so i had a fascination with being outside being able to do things that i personally never thought i would be physically capable of doing and, and diving was one of those things and so i started in my i think it was about 20 21 when i first got into the water in the Bahamas and uh, it was, you know, it sort of changes your life when you get to see what's underwater and you see fish and you see wildlife and you start to question this entirely different world that you never could imagine existed until you see it. Uh, that sort of, it sprang from there, that interest. And I, I was a diver. The idea of forming a company was something that 
came out of, uh, I think, uh, a combination of passions and wanting to do something that would be not just enlightening for us, but we could also give back in some way. And yeah. we started uh, Mad Dog when I was in my 20s, which never, really never thinking that it would be something that would become my life as it did. Um, so I'm very grateful for all the opportunities and the people that that have mentored me that I've been able to learn from because I, it really is always working with better people to become better. Yeah. And that is the amazing thing about the whole sport and um, the, the world of diving is that one, you never know who you're going to meet. And <laughs> you, it opens you up to some really fascinating, amazing, interesting uh, people that take your breath away type people and you think wow how do they do that you know amazing things uh, and you never where it's gonna get you never know where it's gonna go you know and uh, my daughter's here you know and I, I tell her you know diving it's just the start once you've done your paddy open water you you just gotta go with it and go right who, who are you gonna meet where are we gonna where are you gonna go you know it's great it is and it's funny when you speak to people that have that passion for being underwater. And it's not, as I said earlier, it's, it's not the most comfortable sometimes. It's cold, it's damp, it's rainy, whatever it is. It's, it's still, it's part of that experience. And when you're underwater, you forget about everything else. And you really have to, as you know, with, with training, you have to be in that moment, being aware of your gear, being aware of your air, of, of everything to stay alive. I mean, in that, in that respect, you really, everything else sort of fades away and it's just you yeah. breathing underwater. And it's quite, it, it's very relaxing, I think, in many ways. And obviously there are situations and the type of diving that everyone does is very different, but um, it is overall a very enjoyable, relaxing sport uh, to be able to just get under there and, and look around and feel, you know, there's so many places I've been to where I feel like just a speck. Uh, in the world where it just nothing matters other than what I'm seeing for the first time or for the thousandth time. It's just quite, uh, quite incredible. And I think for non-divers, they, it, it would just seem alien to, for them to think that diving would be relaxing. <laughs> it's just, oh. no, it's, it's very, it's, there's so many, uh, we call them like armchair adventurers. And my mom was one of them because she was terrified and she was terrified that I started to do this, but she, would see video and, and I grew up watching nature shows and all that. So she had a real understanding of how incredible it was to be underwater and to be in some of these places and see the wildlife. But she was not going to be her, but she enjoyed it nonetheless. And she appreciated that there were people that were doing this so that they could bring it back and share it with people that would never really want to do it, but they want to see it. So <laughs> there, there, is, there is that role for, for divers to bring back the video or the stories of what we've experienced, what we've seen. Yeah. So what kind of level of um, diving have you reached? Have you sort of entered the rebreather world or? I did. I did go into the rebreather world. Um, to be very honest, I stepped back from it. I, I dive uh, mixed gas and I dive double tanks and I, I will get into the rebreather. Rebreathers are very, very time intensive and you, you have to really be I think doing that type of diving very regularly. For me, it dropped off a bit because I started uh, doing other things, speaking, uh, writing, presentation. So I recognized from a safety perspective, it wasn't for me. So I still dive with my 
what they like to call my archaic doubles, which I love. They're much smaller and they're very, they're still tanks. I love them, I love them. But, well, uh, they, sorry? Seven liters, 10 liters, the tanks, the twin, oh. the twin you've got. I do twin 80s. Yeah. And I have twin 60s, which are very cute with the, the manifold and, I love them. I think they're very comfortable. They're easy for me. And it's also, as I said, because I don't dive as often as yeah. I used to, it's just, you have to be so comfortable with, with your kit. You really have to know it. And so that, that's why, but the mixed gas diving was something that I, I really enjoy and allows you to feel much safer underwater. Mm -hmm. uh, nitrox for most people are now diving nitrox, which is a great thing because it does combat the fatigue and it just, it's a, it's a much healthier way to get underwater and, and do extend, even if it's not deep. Uh, so I, I, I'm a big proponent of, of getting as many certifications as you are comfortable with, because knowledge is power. And the more you know, the better diver that you become, the more comfortable you are with gear and also the options that are available to you. I, I know years ago, even 10 years ago, a lot of people were not diving on, on just basic enriched air. And then Patty came on board with that some time back. And it just, it makes a real difference if you're out there diving for five days, 10 days. Yeah. Physically, it really helps. So I, I am a proponent on, on education and, uh, and sort of taking it a little bit at a time. Uh, everyone is different. There's some great options. Good for approach. Yeah, definitely. It's a good approach. So what was your first um, expedition? My first expedition was up to the high Arctic the polar diving. And that was actually my, um, that was sort of like a, a, a real revelation of you either love it or you don't. And I, I recognized that years into it once we had more clients going up to the Arctic because it is very remote and it's very exciting and it's very historic. And at the same time, it's very, very tough. Uh, it's a difficult environment. You're cold, you're tired. It's 24 hours of daylight your body doesn't adjust within the, the week to 10 days that you're there. So it's not for everybody. And, and a lot of people that I had as clients would, uh, were very excited to go. Uh, and once they got there, they recognized as stunning and as exciting as it was, it really wasn't for them. It's, it was a bit more taxing than they may have liked. For, for me, uh, to this day, the Arctic is a, a very special place in my heart, whether I'm above the water or below. So, I, I remember that first dive, uh, like it was really very exciting and changed that moment where it changes your, your perspective on many things and, and it sort of changes your life, knowing that you're doing something you never imagined you would do uh, or have. For me, it was combating the fear. Yeah. Mm. And well, the people that you take, do you, kind of, do you sort of set them, a, um, do you sort of scrutinize them for their... Um, what you know? What sort of level that they're diving at and fitness? We did, but we were doing were very specific expeditions that all had a certain level of training. So for a mad dog expedition client, they had uh, they had a, a tear sheet, if you will, where they had to sort of checklist what their diving was, what their uh, health was, lots of lots of questions that everyone was very happy to answer for their safety as well as for for our liability, and there was always that comfort zone that people want to push beyond. And so you have to be, for, for us uh, leading these expeditions, you have to be very careful that people are doing things for the right reasons, not just to 
uh, check a box off because it's it requires a great deal of them. So we did go through a process of of meeting and screening and explaining what every expedition would require. And of course, the certifications. Everyone had to have a minimum certification for each expedition. For the Arctic, you did uh, have an overhead environment, so you had to have the, that level of certification. Usually a wreck diving uh, client was a, a very good candidate and a very good client for that. They were always comfortable under with an overhead. Uh, dry suit is another one that some people would were very good divers and would take a dry suit course prior to coming on the expedition. And, uh, you know, again, experience. Experience makes it much easier to sort of add another layer to yeah. that, to the mix. So, yes, the, the polar diving was uh, a little bit more difficult because of the cold, because of the oh, expedition. Oh, I can imagine. So what sort of temperatures, you know, were you diving? They around? are... Uh, the Arctic is, is 28 and a half degrees. It's just uh, below freezing, but the yep. salinity in the water, it never, it never really freezes. And when, once you're under the ice, you have uh, at least 80, 90 feet visibility. It's just, it's kind of endless. It's pristine. Uh, we say it's gin clear. And it yeah. is because once you get down there and you, you relax and you calm down, you have incredible visibility, beautiful light, natural light that comes in through the ice. You have ice caves, you have ice formations that are, are even difficult to capture on film. There's some beautiful video of, of Arctic uh, diving that with all the new cameras and the lenses capture a lot of it, but the colors are still not quite something that you will see. There's, there's mm -hmm. sort of a purpley blue, very unique uh, yeah. to this area. It's, uh, it's cold. But it's manageable, and, and it's manageable for everybody has a different length of time that they can stay underwater. Yeah. But how do you deal with the extreme colds when you first get in? Because, um, you know, I presume you've got, have you got a heated undersuit, under your dry suit, and then, you know, uh, seven mil hood? No, we're diving dry. We're diving fully dry, dry suits, uh, mittens or gloves that might get a little bit. I mean, it's... Even with a dry suit, uh, some have attached hoods. Um, I did not, I don't like diving with an attached hood. So some people do, which prevents that water getting in a bit more. But you, if you do get a little bit of water, your body will warm it up. You're wearing, uh, you're wearing like a, a polar fleece suit underneath that. So you're, you're very, uh, <laughs> you're not as comfortable above the water as you are underwater as, as you well know. Um, but you are, you are pretty tight um, when you get into that dry suit and get zipped up. And, and the cold is really whatever skin is exposed. So some, I don't like the full face um, masks. Some people have used yeah. them. Uh, what you'll feel is really your, your cheeks and, and it feels incredibly cold. And what we, what we say is just get in first, relax, take a breath, and then just you know, pop under the ice and have a look around and, and you start to acclimate. I think what happens is after 20 minutes and for some it's a little bit less because they're they're nervous your hands and your your feet start to feel the cold mm -hmm. your body temperature is is usually fine throughout the dive it's your your hands and feet and sometimes your head you know everybody is different and that that is where you get the um i've got to get out or i can stay longer i'm going to push 
that's that moment where you start to to reconcile with yourself. Do you want to leave or stay in this incredible underwater world? But there's always you, you come back, and that that's really the the motto is that you want to come back the next time. So <laughs> don't push it too. I dived here um, and in January, and it was about um, two to three degrees. I suppose what's that? 33 35 that's cold and, and it's the it's cold on me it's getting it over getting my, because it was um only had a five mil hood <laughs> and it was the on your you know that ice cream type ice freeze yes, getting yes. through that no, see that's right that's cold a five oh, mil, yeah. That's tough. yeah <laughs> and then you put the hood down on a metal table and it freezes to and then you got to put it back on and jump in it's like oh it's funny, men don't really have this, but women, your hair freezes. I remember the first time it was exposed and exactly as you said, you come up from a dive and it's just bitter cold and if the wind is blowing and my hair just, I thought it was dry and I went <laughs> and it just broke off. I was horrified, <laughs> but things freeze like that. So you, these are things you learn over time, what to do to prevent uh, little issues like this from happening but Jim hasn't experienced the cold dive yet I've got that to come no, no, oh, I do. don't understand your hair breaking freezing that <laughs> was one of the worst moments I remember feeling very girly at that time but <laughs> I looked around and, and again I've been one of the uh, usually the only woman on, on a lot of the expeditions yes so I remember holding a piece of hair and looking around and the guys looked at me and they're like oh <laughs> like okay it's fine i won't do that again you know you don't right. make a big fuss about it but they were very kind about it i think they realized i was mortified <laughs> breaking my hair off but it's part, so, part of it these extremes of temperature so you, you say about the like severe cold and then you're in the amazon rainforest so how do you cope with that heat we um we sort of balanced it it's funny the arctic every expedition had a uh and we'll have a time window. The Arctic uh, is really optimum during May and June. Mm -hmm. So the temperatures are a bit warmer topside, but you still have you know, 24 hours of daylight. You have uh, storms that'll come in within a few hours and, and you're sort of in a whiteout condition. So it's still very extreme. May and June for us here, uh, just like in the UK, is usually the nicest spring, early summer time. So that is also something that when you're going from, from warm, lovely weather to very cold weather, it, it's a bit jarring. And then we would have expeditions in our winter to warm temperatures. Uh, we'd go to Grenada, the Bahamas, uh, the Amazon was in September, October. So it actually worked out really nicely because we would we would go someplace warm when it was cold and then we'd be going someplace cold when it was really hot so i felt it was uh it worked for me i, I personally am a cold person i i cold water person so uh in cold areas so i i always enjoyed it i really did i i function better when it's a bit colder than the extreme humid heat I find that very tacky. Yeah, and it must be, you know, if you're diving in that heat, you know, even getting kitted up, it must yeah, be quite draining even before you get in the water. It can be. Um, and again, the, the places, Grenada, uh, the Bahamas, you're not, you're in a very thin, uh, you know, you're in a three mil suit. Mm -hmm. for, and that's not so bad. But if you're diving off of, let's say, here in the East Coast, and you have to dive dry or five or seven mil, that is hot and humid. You just want to get kitted up and 
throw yourself in the water. It's uncomfortable. But, but it's they, all part of it. It's really... <laughs> it's quite, you've, you've done quite a few firsts uh, by the looks of things. So first to um, dive in the Arctic, first to dive in the Amazon, and first woman to ski to the North Pole. Is that right? Um, I wasn't the first woman, no, to ski. I, I would say the first woman to dive, uh, certainly in the, in, the, uh, in the high Arctic. Right. And in the Amazon. And it wasn't by design. It was just something that happened to be because I was leading expeditions and I was the only woman on that expedition. I, I didn't even uh, really take note of that until years later when I was asked in interviews or, or someone brought it up and I, I didn't do it for that reason. And I, I yeah. still don't. And I'm not necessarily, again, personally, I am not a person that wants to do it just because I would be the first. I, I like to do it if I think it will make a difference in some way or, or be of interest. And so having been the first on, on the Amazon and in the high Arctic, I, I'm very, I'm very proud of that because I think a lot of women forgive that background. There's a, Call just for while we can take a quick break, it'll be over in a second. Um, so sorry about that. That's an it's happened, okay, it'll stop in a sec. Things happen when you're working from home, yeah. <laughs> These are the things that have been the past year trying to sort out. All right, so we're fine, it's fine, you can hear me without any yeah, issues. In the back. Okay, um, so I'm sorry, yes, your question again. No, we're just talking about you know. Um, how you've done, you know, these trips, and that's off. That's worked out that you've been the first to do go to these places as a as a woman diver, or first time, you know, just being up there uh, in the North Pole. Uh, the North Pole was a ski expedition yeah. that I was very privileged to have been invited to go on as as I was the first American uh, slash South American woman to have been on the team of five, and we were skiing the last degree to raise awareness for climate. Uh, climate change and the environment, and so that was that was a terrific, challenging expedition. And I, and I was proud to um, represent a demographic that was not on that team of five. So uh, I think, in that respect, being the first to uh, whether you're diving or, or if you're skiing or, or or doing something for the first time, if you use that in a positive way to bring attention to people that maybe never thought of doing something. Or for me, it was challenging because I, as I said, with the diving, it was never something that I physically thought I would be able to do. I was, uh, I've had asthma all my life. And so doctors never, doctors did not sign off on my doing my first PADI course. And, and I was, I waited many years to be able to do that by finding a family doctor that basically uh, helped me be prepared for it and and i think i he, again he was a family friend and i i went to him and i said look i'm going to uh, i'm going to do this with or without you i'd rather have you sign off on it and i'll keep coming back and we'll work through this and he said okay but you have to do x y and z and to this day i am very careful i am very conscious of of health and any kind of discomfort um and of course, with medications, being able to do what I've done. So mm -hmm. as a child growing up, the idea of being able to do that was just something 
beyond uh, my my dreams, really, because I was I was afraid, and I think my mom was very afraid as well that it was just a a place I would not go. Mm-hmm. So in that respect, I think to show any kids or any person that may have uh, a health issue that you can go outside of your comfort zone or or sort of stretch your boundaries a bit, doing it responsibly, doing it conservatively, and doing it intelligently by seeking uh, whatever assistance or medical that you might need. Mm. Because luckily, we're living during a time where there are medications or there are doctors that will monitor and help you achieve that. And and I still am, as I keep saying, a proponent of, of, of wanting to never say never to yourself, always have your goal and, and strive for that and, and work right. with people that will help and make sure that you stay on track to be able to do that because it is a, it's a personal journey. And, and diving is really when, when you're down there underwater, whether you're in a wreck or you're just uh, snorkeling around or, or, or just playing around in a cave, whatever it is, it's, it's not a natural place to be. It's not where we, all, we should be. So we are out of our element. And every diver that's down there has done training, has knowledge of where they are and why they're doing it. Yeah. And that's the best way to kind of live another day and share that that experience with others because it's such an incredible, I don't want to call it a sport. It's, it's just such an incredible thing to be able to do. Yeah. yeah. See what's underwater, whether it's warm water, or cold water, you just, every dive you take something, you bring something back with you. And, and not everybody's an ocean person. So I, I respect that as well, but I, I think nonetheless, thanks to divers, people, do know about the oceans and they are interested and it's fine to say, Oh, I would never do that. But at least you, you understand why we do it. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a great thing to be able to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, is it? Yeah. It is just like another world, isn't it? It's just, it is. I, I, I miss it. I have to say, I'll be very honest. I have not been diving this year. Um, I was on a speaking tour when everything shut down in March and we kept planning to we'll go in June. And then that didn't happen. <laughs> and we're still planning to get back out there. So, yeah, it's hard. It's, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll get there eventually. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm ready for next year and, and planning, uh, actually a warm dive. I'm planning some warm water diving. So I'm excited by that. <laughs> so you've also discovered a submarine as well. I've been working with, with the team uh, for almost 10 years now on working with robotics and being topside on that, but still exploring what's going on underwater. And uh, that was an incredible experience and it still is. Robotics uh, are an entirely new arena that have also facilitated a lot of incredible dives for, for divers. Um, this, these depths were much deeper, so we were not uh, underwater, but uh, nonetheless, the, the, the USS R-12 with the crew of 42 sailors was an incredible moment, an incredible discovery that I'm honored to be a part of because it's still, uh, it's still part of, of, of my life in that I'm, I'm very close to some of the family members that yeah. we reached out to back then that are really brave people from a time that uh, you know, we, don't, we did not live through, which was World War II. Mm-hmm. and um, 
hopefully we won't live through another war, but really incredibly historically uh, poignant stories. How deep is that? She of the USSR 12 is in uh, 600 and about 600 or so feet of water, so that would be 200 meters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, that was an incredible discovery. It's still quite an interesting. We've been we've been back three times uh, just to to get images and video and more of a of an idea composite. Working with 3D imagery is is yeah. another part of the uh, the equation here that that brings to life what is uh, your metal. Uh, at the bottom of the ocean with souls on board. So uh, yeah. so that's been fascinating. And that's like another uh, a realm for, for divers that are into wrecks yeah. and that are working with robotics. The discoveries you know, that are in our oceans are incredible. I mean, the oceans are really littered with history. And, and diving up, I've, I've done a couple of years up in Scapa Flow, which is fabulous uh, and cold. Yeah. <laughs> Angled, but but so exciting, um, and uh, and at depths where you can you can dive. Who do you dive with when you go up the scapa? I'm sorry. Who do you dive with normally when you we go? We were diving. This is going back years with John Thornton on the Karen. All right. Yeah. Do you know John? And I've heard his name mentioned. I don't know him personally. Very nice man, and it was a great boat, the Karen. And then I think there was a second boat. So I haven't been up in years, but I have friends that still go. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Beautiful part of the world, lovely people, historic, mm. cold water, but you know it's they're diveable, uh, comfortable depths. It's yeah, just and good viz. Yeah, very very good viz, yeah. which is a nice thing for wrecks. Usually you don't have that option uh, on diving wrecks unless you are uh, in the warmer, uh, shallower depths. Yeah. Wrecks are exciting. Yeah. So when you you've mentioned um, a few times that on these expeditions you've been the it's worked out that you've been the only lady on board. How do you how do you deal with that? You know, being the only one. You know, um, and not having a fellow woman diver to talk to and compare notes with. Um, that's an interesting question, only because I I recognised it at first. I was uh, even though it was my company and they were my expeditions. I was still very, very conscious of not being, I don't know, maybe too girly, which is, sounds very silly, meaning that I, I recognized there was nothing different about me. I mean, everybody's very self-sufficient. Uh, I was there because I knew what I was doing and I knew how to take care of myself. And I think that's the first rule for any woman um, to not be uncomfortable is to sort of harness all your knowledge and recognize that you're there and you can get through this with or without someone helping you, but, but you're part of a team. So yeah. it's natural that everyone helps each other and everyone has different levels of expertise to make it work. And, and that's a, a big part of an expedition. Everyone has a role. For me, um, I, I really wasn't self-conscious um, after I was there and I realized why I was there and, and what I was, what my role was and what my knowledge base was. And I think that that's key for any woman to not be uncomfortable is to just, you don't have to prove anything to anyone. Yeah. Just know that you're there and, and where your comfort zone is and, and stick to that mm -hmm. and you'll get through it. And I think for many women that are intimidated by going on a trip I would ask for, for diving expeditions or diving trips uh, before that. I would always ask, are there any other girls that are going to be on board? Because I did always think, well, how do I, if I need something or if I 
you know, don't feel well or whatever it is. I don't want to seem like I'm whinging and whining to another, to a fellow, a girl would understand. <laughs> and that's not the case. It's really, it's, it's a very, uh, the dining community, I think, is very warm and welcoming to anybody that, that may need a little bit of a hand at some point. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's, again, the, the mindset that nobody wants anyone to get injured, hurt, and it should be fun. And again, my experiences have always been working with people that uh, in some cases have tremendous more knowledge and experience than I did. And that's how I learned, was working and, and seeking out the best people that I thought could help me become better. Mm -hmm. and, and I find that uh, if you do that, people are very generous with their, their time and their knowledge to help you. But you, you have to ask, you have to go out there and, and I always did. So, and I, I still do because I, I strive to be better than I was on the last dive or learn something new. But as I said, I think that people are very, very welcoming within the dive community and on expeditions so that any woman wanting to go out there on her own shouldn't think twice. Mm. Yeah. And that's a great, you know, inspiring feeling to have an independence as well, isn't it? Yeah, I think like anyone, you, you just should never feel pressured to go outside of your comfort zone. You'll, you'll get there, but it's good to, to sort of do it in stages. And, and it's not a competition to get to the next level of training. You need to get there uh, in your own time and in your own way and, and enjoy, enjoy the journey. Diving is one of those experiences that at whatever level, you should be enjoying every moment you're down there. Exactly. And not be focused on what you don't know or how someone is, is ahead of you or, or deeper or, you know, those things should not come into to play. Yeah. And that's, so many people have said that you've just got to feel comfortable in your own zone before you progress. And, you know, and that way you continue to enjoy it and not, yeah, have any pressure and... It's fun, it, it really, and it's fun talking about it because as you can see we're all smiling because it it does you go back into that moment of how wonderful it is to be comfortable underwater yeah. and to just be underwater and taking everything in and every experience and you never know what you're going to see no. <laughs> um, what's going to swim past you or what you're going to find or if you're in a wreck what you'll see there. I mean, that these are all, everyone has a different interest and there's something for everyone. And it's, it's always new. I think that's the best part about it is it's really, if you're a curious person and you're, you're down there, you'll, you'll come back with all these questions, you know, about that dive. Yeah. Um, but you think about after the fact, which is also a great part of diving is the conversation that comes from that mm -hmm. afterwards. Because you can't communicate with each other. Look at that, you can point and, and time oh, when you come up. It's whatever occurred that you shared with someone that's really bonding and it's fun. It's just so much fun. Yeah, no, um, well, I'm new, so it's, it's really, yeah, sort of just trying to find the ways to communicate, but I usually blind in by waving my torch. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, what am I doing wrong? It's just like. <laughs> <laughs> So, it's great fun. It really is funny. Um, yeah, think that too. You yeah. can't help the excitement either when you're underwater because you are sort of, um, you're limited in how you can convey that excitement. So as you said, if you're waving your light or you're <laughs> pointing or making sounds, which I, I tend to make a lot of sounds, you're, 
there's something there. Um, it, it doesn't matter. You just want the other person to share that and see it. You know, did you see what I just see? Or as you probably know, if you see uh, a large animal, uh, pelagic coming towards you, a shark, something that you really want someone else to notice. Yeah. <laughs> you will do all sorts of things to get their attention. Oh, my son is just here, so I'm just going to pause. Okay. Jim, if you, do you want to carry on? Yeah, yeah. 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 One moment. Excuse me. So the Mad Dog Expedition Company, how did that come to light? What was the kind of light bulb moment to make? Oh, that's funny. That goes back a long time. Um, a very dear friend uh, and I were talking about starting uh, a business. Actually, we were approached by friends that were in, into skiing and they wanted to produce videos. This is back in the mid nineties, produce videos of their skiing. And they were you know, extreme skiers and going all over the world. And we thought that's fantastic. That really is exciting, but we like diving. So maybe we could do something similar with the diving. And uh, again, not thinking beyond, beyond the next couple of years, quite honestly, and how to make this happen. And, and we, we put together a great team. Um, and we worked with people that were willing to help us in the field and train. And we did a lot of training. And, and my position originally was really, I was going to stay in the office and do go on certain expeditions and do the branding and, and really the launching of the company. Well, my partner was out leading expeditions and we had a head of operations and we had another team. Yeah. Um, and I remember when everyone was packing up to go, I sat at my desk and I thought, I can't, I can't do this. I can't sit here. I, I want to go. I want to go. So I started training and that was for the Arctic expedition. And I did my, oh, I did my dry suit. I did a lot of uh, I, lake diving here, which was very unpleasant under ice. Yeah. And off I went to the Arctic. So it was one of those uh, experiences and one of the, the moments where you just thought, we're not really, we have to do this. You know, mm -hmm. we are so committed and, and we ha we're so passionate about this that we're going to do this. Yeah. And, and there wasn't a whole lot of looking back. There's a lot of sacrifice, both financially um, and emotionally that we were all invested in this. And, and as, as many people know, it's, uh, it's never really something you can uh, forecast the success, but if you love it, you will, find a way to make it work. And, yeah. and, and diving, I will say, is not a sport where you're going to get rich in, in certain ways, uh, but it's incredibly enriching. And, yeah. and I'm very fortunate to have had the experiences and traveled and, and, and made, uh, you know, certainly made a living and a profession mm -hmm. out of everything that, that Mad Dog was able to do. And luckily, after so many years, I think the interest especially from, from women in expeditions and in adventure. Uh, there's, there's another role for me. And that was also something that I, I could not imagine. Which I could help inspire and share everything that I've done and that I've seen with other people that, uh, that have an interest. As I said, they may never go underwater. They may never do what I've done, or they may never want to go to the Arctic or the North Pole, but everyone has their own dreams and everybody has their own, um, again, comfort zone. And I think it's just being able to let people know that they can do it, that they can find a way to make it happen. And, and if they can do that underwater, then, you know, even better. <laughs> I've got to ask, where did the name come from, Mad, uh, Mad Dog? 
It's interesting. It came from Noel Coward's song, Mad, Only Mad Dogs and Englishmen Go Out in the Noonday Sun. And that was our, our, you know, the early English connection because when we were looking at doing these expeditions and we're putting together the list of places we want to go to in the world, a lot of other divers and people were like, that's insane. You know, no one, why would you want to go there? You know, that's not easy and it's not comfortable. And we thought, yeah, that's, that's exactly why we want to go. We want to go be able to show something that hasn't been seen before. Because yeah. we want to see it. And, and that was really it. We wanted to do it. We wanted to see it. But you need to be like that. I think, um, you know, if it wasn't for people who want to be different, who wanted to push boundaries, um, you know, we'd still be living in caves. We'd never made it to the moon. We wouldn't have gone to the North Pole or the, you know, the South. You know, uh, we need people like yourself, uh, but you also need people who are going to be happy to be at home and do the, 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 the back office, the, the processing and those type of things. But you also need people like yourself who, who actually do want to see what's around the, the next corner, who do want to, um, you know, see what's in that cave or go see a wreck or something like that, you know, because that's how we progress and advance. I, I 100% agree with you. And I think that is one of the elements that people sometimes lose sight of. And, and that is that what we were doing when you start a company and you follow a passion and, and you pursue what you really want to do, you're juggling so many hats. You know, it's not very easy to just say, I'm going and I'm going to dive. And in and, and my situation in particular, a lot of people forget that it's not just about getting to the dive site and getting in the water. There is just so much planning and preparation that goes into it. You are taking into account everything you have to do topside before you get underwater, because we were land-based on most of our expeditions. So you take everything you need, you take spares, you have to be dressed for the elements topside, and then you have to be dressed for going underwater, and then for when you come out of the water. So there, there's so many moving parts to expeditions, and diving is a very gear-intensive sport. Mm -hmm. uh, much like skiing, diving and technical diving requires even more kit and, yeah. and more knowledge, and because of where you're going, spares and, and things that you may not have on site. So there's a lot. I think every diver that goes out there um, on an expedition, even for a weekend of diving, it takes a great deal of time to prepare and then break it down. So it, I understand it's not for everybody and it's great to get on a boat and have someone hand you your tank and, and off you go. But I think part of the joy is really knowing and, and fiddling with your, with your gear and yeah. knowing that it works and feeling that, that comfort knowing that you know it's it's doing what it needs to do and if it's not you don't go yeah it's part of you isn't it it's just you've got that reliance on your own gear. Yeah, and not to be dramatic but it really is life or death if you're doing certain types of diving or any type of diving to have a regulator or piece of kit fail uh is is the moment of uh of reality whether you can get yourself out of that or not and so it, it's serious and i think that's something that people forget sometimes because we enjoy it and we make it look like fun there's a whole lot of, of preparation to get in and out of the water safely and more so if you're taking uh students if you're taking clients 
there's that other element of, of thinking, not just about your own safety, but theirs. Yeah. And yeah. That's, that's a major part of what, what we do as well, which also makes you a better diver, I think. It does, yeah. You're conscious, you're conscious of everything. Yeah, this is what I've said to Gemma about, um, you know, in part of Gemma's uh, diving uh, path, journey, um, is to, you know, do the rescue course, do the advance, do the rescue course, because that rescue course is such a great thing to do um, because it makes you think about other people and, you know, not just about your own dive. Don't, yeah, don't you need to go on first. I didn't realize you're a newer diver. Yeah, I've, I've logged 18 dives. I qualified in July. <laughs> Yay! No, no, no. I mean, Ian, you're absolutely right. I remember I did my, um, gosh, going back so far, I did my open water paddy and then I did the uh, advanced diver back then. And then I went right into the rescue. And I remember the option was, oh, you don't have to do that now. And I was advised, again, by friends that were much better divers at the time to do the rescue course because it really does make you so aware of not just how, how you are looking and, and handling yourself underwater, but of all the different things that can happen and how to extricate and how to help. Absolutely, that is, that is great advice. I, I think that's a tremendous uh, next next course for, for yeah. people. When, when she's ready, I, I, think I'd be, I, I think I'd be really good good for yeah. Jen to do. You know, yeah. I, Everybody spoken about it and really had fun and enjoyed it and got a lot out of it as well. Actually, yeah, I agree with you. I think that for any divers starting off, that should be one of the courses at the forefront when they're just learning because it really does bring into, it, it sort of brings it together. It makes sense to know, uh, you know, ignorance is bliss. And, and I remember that as well, not knowing and not, not that you have to fear it, but the more you know, the better equipped you are, and the sooner that's the better as well. But but ignorance is bliss to to not know. Oh, you know, I'll be fine. But if something should go wrong, yeah. then you know what to do. Yeah, yeah. exactly. What uh, what type of diving excites you the mo the most? You know, is it seeing the big pelagics? Is it seeing a new inside a cave or a wreck? You know, I'm not a cave person. I did my cave course. It wasn't for me. And yeah. I, I, I'm not a claustrophobic person. I just, it wasn't for me. So, but yet I like wrecks. I really think wrecks are exciting because of the history on many of them. And also, you know, wrecks are just kind of, uh, you know, you don't know necessarily where you're going to end up and you have to be very careful, but they're exciting. I think historic wrecks are terrific. And I love just the warm, open water as well. Uh, we do a lot of diving in the Bahamas the past few years, and it's just teeming with life. Not even not even deeper sites, but uh, diving with dolphins. I had no idea that you know dolphins were as large as they are, and they can be. They're playful, but in their playfulness, they can you know they'll bump you. Uh, they're very curious. But it is exciting. I love I love the, the the underwater life. I really do think it's exciting to see marine life. Uh, I've dived a lot with sharks where it's not necessarily a controlled environment. We're not feeding them. We're diving and we know they're in that area. Mm -hmm. And that that really gets your heart racing. 
<laughs> when you see a shark in the vicinity or coming close to you, there, there really is, I don't care how many dives you've done, there is just something, if you're out there diving and you know you have a large predator in the area, you know, I'm not there to feed it or, or play with it. I just, I want to move away from it. Uh, yeah. But they're curious. They're very curious creatures. Uh, so I, I do enjoy that. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. That is kind of the unexpected diving in areas where you are exposed. You know, you, you recognize that they're out there. They can see you. You can't necessarily see them. Yeah. Uh, so I would say, yeah, the, the wildlife is, is very exciting to see. Do, you do we have a mutual friend in Christina, Sonato, who's out in oh, the she's fabulous. Yeah. yeah. She's fabulous and such a nice woman. Yeah. yeah. She... She is a great, uh, I think also a role model in that she has pursued something. I met her years ago and I've met her recently again, but she has pursued something that she just is so passionate about and, yeah. and loves it and has taken it to a level of expertise. Yeah, um, inspiring. Very few people get to. And she's like the shark whisperer. <laughs> Yeah, she's an amazing lady. She really so what sort of things are you working on at the moment or are you just making plans for 2021? I've been doing, as, as many of us, I've been doing a lot of Zoom presentations, both on uh, what I've done, uh, focused some on the Arctic, some on just the expeditions in general, uh, discussing leadership, uh, discussing a lot of issues for women in the position of leadership things that we overcome, uh, seeking adventure, which is another big uh, part of this year, is that so many people had plans and, and nothing has really come to fruition. So the idea of not letting go of those, uh, those plans, those goals, those dreams, and, and letting them go into 2021 is something that I've been uh, doing a lot of talking to audiences, schools, I've done a lot of school presentations and they're great. And for me personally, planning, planning you know, a warm water destination. We, uh, we've had the Cayman Islands uh, on site for this past year. And yeah. they were closed until I think just recently, September, October. We have a friend that lives on the island that, was, that went back. And um, we're hopeful maybe January, but we don't know. We really don't know January, March. But that's the next one is just to get back in the water to do some... Uh, some video, some diving, and that would just be with friends, colleagues. But uh, aside from that, it's kind of, it's really been a wait and see. The, the polar Arctic expedition has been something that I've pushed again for next year, wanting to go back there, because that, uh, that's just sort of a place I need to get back to every few years when we, when we can do it. Yeah, I bet it's an awesome place once you've been. I bet that gets a bit addictive. You want to go and have a yeah. look and see what's happening. It is, and I have very good friends that um, are are there. They're local. They uh, they grew up there. They're, that's their home. They, these small communities up in the northern areas of Canada, and it's just uh, it's one of those things. It, it, it's an area that you either love or you don't and it's fine if you don't love it but i'm all for that you not everyone has said uh, you know <laughs> the same cup of tea but for me it really is a place that inspires me and 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 fills me with uh happiness joy it's it's fantastic it's remote historic yeah. beautiful 
Topside and underwater. Kind of sums it up, doesn't it? (laughs) So have you got anywhere on your bucket list to dive that you haven't been to? So many. Um, Sri Lanka. I have not been to Sri Lanka and I... I just kind of devour everything I can get my hands on. And I, and I have very good friends there and an open invite to dive um, up and along the coast there, which looks tremendous. And I, and I've heard, I've heard just and seen so many incredible images um, of what's going on underwater there. So that would be, uh, that would, that's certainly on my list uh, to make it happen and, and dive in certain areas up there. Uh, aside from that, you know, there are the classics. I have not been to Galapagos. That's another one. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many. I, it'll be right. And what's interesting is if you work within the dive industry, it's like any profession. You you think that you're doing it all the time, but there, for me, there were only, it was a job. So in, in, a, in a career where there are certain areas that I would have to keep going back to. And then the rest of the time, there was very little time to just I, I didn't take a vacation. I still really don't take vacations the rest of the time. You're, you're working at the computer um, and, and trying to make those things happen for other people or for teams. And so my bucket list is just, it keeps growing. <laughs> yeah, we've never had um, anybody say Sri Lanka before, which is... No, that's a new one. Yeah, that's a new one on our yeah, bucket list map. <laughs> yeah. So do you have a favourite marine animal? Dolphins. Yeah. I would say dolphins. Um... I have not dived underwater, but I've seen polar bear uh, topside, and I, I would not want to be underwater with a polar bear. Topside is is uh, interesting enough, but um, and turtles. I mean, the turtles that I've seen both through the Bahamas all the way up to uh, to the Amazon, I, down to the Amazon, I'd say they're they're remarkable. They're remarkable creatures. Dolphins are really remarkably beautiful and intelligent and interesting and we're, we're talking wild dolphins where you see them in the pods and how they respond to you i've had many many dives uh throughout the years encountering just wild pods of dolphins and i have to say I, i'm fascinated by how they sometimes interact sometimes they don't it, you never have enough time mm-hmm. yeah. enough time with these creatures and and every time is different and obviously we don't speak the same language, but it, that's part of the, the diving as well. The, the things that we get to experience, whether it's, it's once or, or continually, it's always different. Yeah. yeah, and that's, you know, the exciting thing going underwater, it's never gonna be the same. Yeah. No, that's and, and as you brought up there, there is that curiosity that I believe everybody shares uh, in pursuing underwater diving uh wherever you are in the world there is just that you can't turn it off i think once it's it's there and it's turned on you really don't turn it off you're sort of waiting for the next time that you can get out there and uh, i'm in new york city so it's not it's not easy to get out there (laughs) actually uh everything is pretty far uh driving or you know conditions to get to get there, and so that that's always been a bit disappointing. But that's that's sort of what I know. I, I respect that to get somewhere that I'd really like to get to. It's it's a it's a journey. I mean, it's really. What's your favorite place in the UK to dive? Um, I really know Scapa. I mean, I, that's where I've been along the coast, and I think Scotland is beautiful. I have not done, um, you know, done by is it Exmouth where you, there's some great diving as well. It is. 
Yeah. Good friends that have, that have done it, and I know UK well, but not from the diving perspective. It's been Scapa and the waters around there, which I, I think, as yeah. you said, they're cold, but they're so clear and so beautiful yeah. and exciting and uh, cold. <laughs> Different kind of cold, though. Different kind of cold from my polar. The polar has ice. <laughs> so you can some parts are also not very clear. You can, uh, you know, you get in the water, it's cold and it's murky. And, you know, I got to hand it to you guys. It is not easy diving. No, but not you, always, no. It's no. not. It's, it's kind of miserable, but you do it. You got to get in there. So, yeah, otherwise you can dive. No, no, got to do it. Because, you know, there's always going to be something better and clearer to aspire yeah. to. <laughs> so. and, and I think that's the, again, the hope is that you have to do it there because you know. There'll be some great diving coming down the road, and, uh, and there is. Yeah. But it's nice, but there is a whole community, and I think that's the one thing, again, about, about diving is that community of people that all go through the same thing. You know, we yeah. all have those experiences that are less than pleasant in some ways, but they make for great stories, and if you've not had an uncomfortable dive, then you're really not diving. <laughs> that's I'm not wet. really Ready? I mean, that's, you shouldn't be uncomfortable, but I think you, I think you really have to experience an uncomfortable dive because either that's where your diving will end or you just kind of, you do, or you check it up to that was miserable. Yeah. I never want to do that again. And you do another type of dive, but it does make or break a lot of people. I've seen that and I, and I understand it. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's funny. I mean, it is kind of funny to walk away from, a really bad dive, <laughs> a really uncomfortable dive. Let's say it. it's an uncomfortable dive. But you walk away from it and learn from it, can't you? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's all a story. They're all good stories at the end of the day that you can share. And for every bad diving story that we have, someone has a worse one. And that's true too. Yeah. Yeah. Some people have a worse one, which is you know, the reality of, of what we do as well. No, that's very true. <laughs> so if you could take three people into the underwater world, either snorkeling, diving, or pop them in a submarine, who would you take and why? Well, um, I can't think of one person I would take, and I love her, is Sylvia Earle. Uh, and I happen to know Sylvia, and she's fabulous. She is, she's one. So I would take her, that would be my diving person. Um, I can't think off the top of my head, I should be quicker on this, of who the other two would be, but I would say uh, one person would have to be very funny. The other person would have to be somewhat, you know, very uh, lighthearted and fun. And then the other person would have to be, uh, <laughs> I'd want them to be, uh, I'd want them to be, uh, oh, I'd take Noel Coward. There you go. I would, I would like, if I could go back in time, and I, was, I say that because he was a writer, uh, he was very funny, and, and I love his views on life and people. And I like that British, British dry wit. So I think being in under stressful situations at the end of the day, someone that can find a little humor and, and, and be intelligent about the situation as well, for someone like me, uh, is how I would pass the time. I need someone that puts things in perspective and I say that having been on many expeditions in very remote places with people that I wish I hadn't been there with but then there was always that one person 
that had that type of personality that made it all much better um, for everybody. So yeah, that's a great question. I wish I was quicker on that, but it's okay. So what was your favorite piece of dive kit? What's the bit? The one thing you can't really do without. Oh, um, for me personally, mm. um, I would say my favorite, um, I have a scuba pro mask. I have a, a, for me, masks were always really a pain in the butt to, to get to fit. So for me, the most important thing that I, I cherish is my, is my one dive mask. I have two. I bought them um, that fits, that seals, yeah. that's so comfortable that I know if everything else goes, I have this, this will work. That makes me very, that eases everything for me. So my mask. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because sort of I haven't had a problem with my mask at all. No fogging, no nothing. And it's just lovely to not have to worry about. No, no. I've had, I've had problems since I started diving. At first I thought, oh, it's me. I don't know enough about it. But I think it's my face or my head. There was always something where I just found it, went through a lot of masks to find one that yeah. uh, has a decent seal and doesn't fog once you you know, do your toothpaste and everything else that you do to it to make it work. So yeah, that's my one thing. I always, when I pack, I just like, I carry my mask. Yeah. No, that's good. I'm the same. <laughs> so after you've had a really good dive, what's your favorite meal or drink to have? Hmm. Uh, after a cold dive, um, mostly the cold dives, it was always a really hot, uh, a mug of hot chocolate. That was the one thing. And I think that's conditioning because that's the one thing that we always served up when someone came up out of the ice. We had um, we had a big towel for them and then we'd hand them a mug of hot chocolate because it just warms you right up. Yeah. So uh, that would be a mug of hot chocolate after a cold dive. And after a, um, gosh, after warm water, well... After warm dives and the end of the day, it was always, you know, a toast. <laughs> I don't know if I want to say that. It was always a toast, uh, a nice, you know, in, in the Bahamas. It was always, you know, something. Gin and tonic? Frosty and cold. No, usually like a calic, a, a beer, uh, a nice cold. Yeah, nice. Afterwards. And that, that was, you know, something after a dive you, you gather. Um, yeah, usually after a dive, I don't really want anything um, to drink. I'm okay. Some people come up with like the cotton mouth. I'm usually fine, uh, except for when I'm really cold and the, the hot chocolate is great. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find diving makes you hungry? Um, the cold diving, yes. The warm water, no. I'm usually, I come up and I'm, I have to say I'm so pumped after a dive with adrenaline that I, I'm sort of, you know, I keep going on that for some time because yeah. let's not forget after a dive, uh, you've got to tear everything down. You've got to break all your kit down and that's a time consuming. Um, so yeah, I'm usually going after that. I, I'm pretty happy. Um, it's an adrenaline rush for me yeah. often. Uh, I really enjoy it. And depending on, you know, the warm water diving, uh, it's always kind of sad when you know you've got to come out. It's yeah. like a dog in the pool. You just think just a little bit more time, just a little bit more time. But uh, that's not, that's usually not the case. <laughs> that is true. So uh, if you could have a billboard and you could put something on it, like uh, a question, a message, a picture, uh, whatever you want, but okay. you wanted to get a message out to the world, the billions of people, 
what would you put on it? Huh. Um, okay, I think I would put do something you love. Do something yeah. you love or find something. Find something you love and do it as well as you possibly can. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I think it yeah, just opens the world up to people, doesn't it? I, I think that's that's certainly how I try and live and that that may that may vary f- from time to time but I don't believe I'd be sitting here uh, if I hadn't really followed what I loved and what I believed in and taken that as far as as I could mm-hmm. and again that's different for every person but I think it's so much easier to to do that and and be able to walk away from it when it's time where you have to with no regrets yeah, yeah. No, that's really good. Yeah, the great answers. Yeah. So if people want to find out more about you, where is the best place for them to go? Um, I'm on Instagram, Exploring Women on Instagram. And uh, we also have the uh, exploringwomen.com site, which is everything's being revamped, I will say. So be a little patient, but it's launching in January. So there'll be more information on, uh, you know, bios. I am not leading any trips i will be very honest in saying they're they're more with colleagues that were doing uh like the cayman trip just doing some tech diving and just getting in the water but i am happy to help uh, with ideas or steer anybody towards some great people that are diving or will be back in the water next year running expeditions um and doing training because training yes really good thing to to do i i still when i say we get in the water if we haven't been in the water for a certain amount of time you just go in and do a shakedown dive and yeah. just make sure everything works you're comfortable you feel good uh, yeah. before you get into anything you know any more serious than that yes training is a great thing some people are not a great fan of a, like a check dive are they you know it's always a, one of the first things you do on a liverboard is do a check dive and um you know, and that works for both sides, doesn't it? For the, the guides and the instructors to see who they got yeah. for that week. And also for, as you said, to, you know, to try your kit. And um, it seems to be a mixed bag of people who they either like it or they don't. But I think that's a really good idea. And, you know, as you say, because the first dive, do an easy dive, make sure all you, your kit works. I, I've seen it and I've, uh, and I think it's very sad when people sort of, they want to rush it. To the yeah. degree there's nothing there's nothing terrible about a, a sort of a, a shakedown dive nothing bad at all you're in the water you're comfortable you may not get to move around that much and and do a full dive but it's a, it's a good practice run which everybody should not take anything for granted we are a little bit out of our element and especially if you're going on an expedition on a trip with new gear mm-hmm. yeah. absolutely Check it out first to make sure that the rest of your time is you're not in danger and that it works because nothing is foolproof. So you really have to be a little patient. I, I agree with you, and people do not appreciate the importance of a of that first dive. Yeah, no, that's been really great. So yeah, lovely to chat to you, and I think yeah, it's really sort of inspiring as well for people to. Yeah, listen to the experience, you know, and the advice as well. That's that's really important, you know, from me as a new diver. I mean, we, we have non-divers listening to the podcast as well. So, you know, even if it inspires them to just think about maybe trying yeah, to... In the water. Yeah. You know, I, I thank you for having me on. It's it's great to, to finally connect and meet you and see you. And, 
yeah, at the end of the day, I, I really believe whether, you know, somebody likes it or not, I like to convey that I love what I've, what I've done and what I'm able to do and feel very privileged to have seen the things that I have. So I think if that's, I think that's a value uh, from, the, from the perspective that I've had a great time yeah. and I've learned so much. And it teaches you, you know, diving is definitely a sport that requires a great deal of discipline and people, I think, overlook that. You know, if you're, if you're committed to your diving, there's the safety approach, there's the health approach. You, you don't, you don't want to mess about with, you know, putting yourself in danger underwater, no matter how comfortable you think you are, because things can go wrong that you cannot control. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you just want to be safe. It's not, it's relaxing, it's fun, but it's still quite serious. And, you know, that's where the training comes in and being with, with good people and taking care of your kit and yourself before a dive. This way you feel good throughout the dive, feel great after the dive and share it with everybody else that uh, wants to hear, come away with something uh, from that, which was that it was, it was fun. Like, Gemma, you're smiling. We're talking about it. And the dives that you've done, you've had a good time. And, and now that I heard that, yes, it was murky, and then you got to see that the lobster or the eel, you know, <laughs> recognize that they're there. You well, know, who Saw so huge cod at St. Abbs. Yeah, we had three days up at St. Abbs, so we did six sea dives, and yeah, it's just incredible seeing a huge fish. It's like sitting there under a rock, and you think, wow. It really, when you see them and you realize that you know we're we're not supposed to be there. You know, they're looking at us like, what are you doing here? <laughs> and so that is what I always take that away after I've seen. Uh, something underwater and they you have contact with them and they look at you you look at them and you realize I I definitely don't I'm intruding on their space and so yeah it's really important not to leave a footprint and I think for those of us that go and see these incredible things it, it hits home about when I didn't talk about this in that but it hits home about polluting the water about being so careful about what we do with waste and where it goes because it is killing uh, it's killing reefs it's killing fish all sort that is incredibly sad and tragic but if you don't see it you don't think about it no that's right yeah and i think you know as divers conveying that message back to the people that don't dive is just incredibly important and more people are doing it now which i think is is a terrific thing it's very sad to see plastic is everywhere and we, we know that, but it's, it's very sad when you see how it affects the marine life, mm-hmm. how it affects all those wonderful things. And they have, we do. Yeah. And so to be able to shed a little light on that and a little awareness and responsibility, I think certainly for the next generation, the kids, uh, that's, yeah. I think kids are super aware about that now. I mean, I oh. think we must be doing a good job because I, I know from my nephews and nieces and the kids that I speak to that are, you know, six, 10 years old, they know about this. They are really pretty savvy and, and cool uh, that I, I remember I didn't have that. So I'm so proud of that. These kids. Yes, know. Changed. That was good. 
Yeah, so hopefully, yeah, it's building a foundation for our future <laughs> in the oceans. Yeah. Stay well. Um, I'll Enjoy. email you. I'll send you Vimeo. And happy Christmas. And, uh, you know. And to you. There's no congregating, is there? We're not doing anything here either. So, all right. Okay, guys, thank you again, and um, I'll, I'll email you. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thanks, Christine. Okay. Bye, then. Bye. Bye. Oh, oh, oh. And fire. Action. Action. Yes. Hello. Hello. We are back, everybody. And... Um, I totally enjoyed that. That was really good. And uh, Jem, what do you think? Yeah, really. Yeah. Well, as I said before, inspirational for any people out there thinking about going on an adventure. Doesn't matter how small, but yeah, just grab it and go for it. You could argue that every day in Bungie is... <laughs> every day with you is an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> good adventure. Hey. <laughs> yes. <fun. laughs> exactly. Never a dull moment. And always going to plan. <laughs> by the seat of our pants <laughs> exactly Oy, no everything's planned everything <laughs> planned down to the last detail here on the big scuba and um you know yes everything happens because because i tell you why i can even tell you who's coming up next year <laughs> do you want to know who's coming up next who's coming up next on episode 50 oh, let me tell you glad i'm pleased you asked now we have drum roll paul Rose, the uh, famous explorer, and uh, he was in charge of Antarctic uh, expeditions. Expeditions, Christine's. and um, so we actually recorded it a little while ago. So, uh, but we've been waiting to get this uh, interview with Paul for some time, haven't we? Yeah. So, uh, so that has to be really good. Follows so, on rather uh, seamlessly, to that. isn't it? He certainly does, and uh, following on from one explorer to the next. Absolutely. And Paul seems to have a thing for polar bears, apparently. Yep, but we'll hear more about that in the episode. So anyway, um, so that is episode 53. That will be out on Monday, I yep. do believe. Okay. And uh, we like to bring these, we're, we're getting into a habit now, Jen, of bringing these, in, these uh, interviews and podcasts out on a Monday and a Friday. Yes, it's a routine. <laughs> it certainly is. So, uh, so, so that's, what's coming up on episode 53 now so if this is the first episode that you have listened to go back as i said right at the start and uh, see who all the other guests that we we've uh, had on in the past yeah. there we go okay um anything else that we need to discuss gem no i think we've covered everything okay brilliant so uh Back phone, the number plus 44781005924. Send us your voice message and we will play that on the show. Uh, or, or even if you send a text, we'll read it out. Your numbers will be deleted afterwards. So your privacy will be re restored. Okay. Yeah, and and uh, that, that, the numbers don't go anywhere, but they just get deleted. Yeah. Okay. The other thing you can do is record a video message and send, and then we can always put that on our YouTube channel. If you yep. Look yep. It. however you want to do it. So you know, we are multimedia here at the Big Scuba, and we'll we'll find somewhere we we can uh, get that shout out. So anyway, thank you once again for listening and downloading us, 
and uh, it's uh, remarkable that anyone does. I agree. But hey, thank you very much. You know, and to think that we're in all these countries just blows me away. And uh, we can't, we don't, we won't do this if it weren't for our lovely listener. So uh, thank you very much. And, yeah. uh, you know, we do wish you uh, a very happy Christmas. And if you don't celebrate Christmas, we hope you have a very nice holiday. And that you keep safe out there because times we know, but hey, let's keep positive, positive pants on. Yeah, the new year is around the corner. It certainly is. It'll be a fresh new year. We can all hopefully go diving again and do what we all love to do. Yeah, but in the meantime, enjoy your festive holidays, Christmases, or just the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. So that's it for me. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll speak to you all on episode 53 with Paul Rose. Yep. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Oh.